I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Gays on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching I'm Declan. And I'm Ned. And in this episode, we'll be discussing Andrew Haig's emotionally bruising film, All of Us Strangers. (laughs) Remember, there will be spoilers once we get to the headline feature, so, as always, do proceed with caution. But before we get to that, I'm dying to know what you've been watching recently, King. I've been watching quite a lot, actually. Um, More so than before our last episode, which is nice to get back into it. Um... Oh my gosh, you'll be surprised at me. Will I? I'm actually watching a TV show. Are you? That isn't... Buffy or... Buffy Charmed or... Charmed. Catch-22. It was on Channel 4 a handful of years ago. I want to say I like remember when it came out, yeah. Um, I read the book a few years ago, and when it was on telly, I was like, oh, I'll watch that. I'll watch the first two episodes, and in classic me style, did not continue. So I've just watched the second episode today. So I shall continue with it and report back. Are you liking it so far? Yeah, it's funny. What's it about? Oh, it's um, about a disgruntled US Air Force bombardier who hates the war because he can't get his head around why a load of people he's never met are trying to kill him. Oh. Cool. Mm. George Clooney, isn't it? Yeah, only in the first episode. Ah, oh, right. Okay, so that how they hooked people in. Must be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? What else? Uh, <laughs> God. You wrote Gladiator and I got confused for well, a second. Well, you have watched Gladiator. I know, but I got confused with the BBC stupid game show. Oh, I thought you were going to say you get confused because I did it for you because I go through your letterbox and look what you've been watching for this. Well, you missed a handful of them out, it's actually. because I did it two days ago preparing to record. And I watched most of these more than two days ago. Anyway, let's not get into an argument. Mm. Um, Gladiator watched it because the sequel is coming out this... No, sequel? Remake? Reboot? Whatever it is. It's a sequel, yeah. It's a sequel. Yeah. It's coming out later this year. Um, but I watched it with um, our good pal Gianni, so we chatted through most of it, so I'm going to have to watch it again. I do think I'd like to do a time capsule episode on it. Yeah, I think it'd be good. As we get close to the release of the sequel. So It'd be worth it. Yeah, that would be a... Um, we will do another rewatch for you. Oh, and those of you who remember what I watched in the Mean Girls episode, I watched Charlie's Angels. So this week, or the week... The week running up to this recording, I've watched Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, Mm -hmm. the sequel. And um, it was just as silly in camp as the first. And I think it might be one of those rare gems where the sequel matches um, the first one. What's the first one called? The original. Thank you. Um, 
yes. Do you want to share what you've been What is up? To? You're just saying oh, like no, you're not with it? <laughs> this bit just, it's not making sense to me today. <laughs> no, you you do the last one on your list and it'll segue into my list as okay. we watch that together. The last one on my list is The Zone of Interest. It is. Um, a new, almost fascinating, I think, Holocaust film set in the home of the Commandant of Auschwitz. Um, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots could be said about it. More so than I think I could even... It's a horrifying on. film. Really horrifying. But fantastic. Very moving. Um, yeah, definitely one for, like, you watch it for historical reference and for reflection and interpretation not so much for entertainment value which i think is i had an experience watching this in the cinema that i've never had before and you're gonna laugh at me because i did it anyway but it was so quiet and so still in the film and the screen was full granted it was only a small screen but it was full Mm -hmm. i didn't even want to eat my snacks no it was that kind of i felt bad for Stacking on me rainbow drops through this film. Yeah. Um, but it's a Holocaust film that doesn't actually show any of it particularly either. No. But if you've watched it, or if we would 100% recommend, because we both give it five star, um, it's all about the complicity of people who lived mm. next to it. But yeah. that is, it's probably one of the most horrifying horror films I've seen. It's not a horror film, but it is. No, it's not a horror film. It is horrific, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very much um, recommend. And if you watch, if you're listening to this as this episode goes out on Wednesday the seventh of Feb, it is still in cinemas. So I would seek it out if you're into that kind of yes. thing. Who is it that did it? No idea. The guy. I know it's had Oscar nominations and stuff. But... It's a name I recognised. One second. What else did you watch? What did I watch? Yeah. So I rewatched again The Colour Purple with my parents when I was home this weekend, the musical version. Um, we were going to do an episode on it, but I've decided we're not for now. But I really enjoy it. It's great. Um, the songs are great. The choreography's great. The cast are great. And I'd very much recommend. Um, I also watched a two-episode new season of a documentary that BBC do called Putin versus the West. I like those kind of BBC straight to camera. You do, don't you? Where they get like loads of people who are involved in recent, relatively recent history to sit and do like interviews and talk through what's happened. And one was like one episode. The first episode was kind of during the time where will they go to war? Will they invade? Obviously, we know that they do. And then the second one was all about the war and the West's kind of fraying attitude towards it in the sense that should we still be giving them money how can we help them that kind of followed so it was really good especially because mm. i think what's going on in the middle east i think ukraine and russia has kind of fallen off the news a little bit perhaps yeah yeah um i think we mentioned in the previous episode that we'd watch the first 15 minutes of masters of the air but then we were too tight to continue but we did watch the first episode and i very much enjoy it i'm on so Apple glad TV. we did and i I'm very much going to press on with it. 
we are we are yes. together which is nice because we don't really watch a tv show together it's interesting watching that i think that's probably what made me go back to catch 22 because setting wise they are pretty much the same thing they're about the u.s air force in world war Two doing bombing raids in europe um but one is more serious and one is more tongue-in-cheek it's yeah. quite an interesting thing to be watching at the same time. And the final thing that I've watched that I put you've put on my list for me, I'm not going to talk about because that's next week's episode. Oh, we're doing an episode on it? Yes. Okay, right. Um, so, yeah, that's what we've been watching. Cool. What's in the news? So, um, Brad Pitt will reunite with Quentin Tarantino for the movie critic. Now, not the biggest piece of news, but apparently this will be, and this is what I kind of wanted to talk about, this will be... Tarantino's next and final film because he always said he would only do so many didn't he he did yes is this that number yes right um sometimes people doubt it depending on whether you you bung kill bill volume one and volume two together into one Uh, which you technically could but I just don't know whether to believe that this is really going to be his last film but it could be have you got any reason not to believe it well, I just don't see why Tarantino would stop making films in his prime. Maybe he thinks he's got enough money and he doesn't need it. Mm, yeah. But basically, um, there's very few confirmed details, but it's set in 1977. It's got a working title of the movie critic, and it's based on a guy who really lived but was never really famous, and he used to, and he used to write movie reviews for a porno rag. Very Tarantino. It'll just oh, be like dear. probably watching people go through a period of history, Hollywood history. Grand. Um, so apparently he's been working on scripts, but I do think it's quite exciting that um, Brad Pitt has decided to join him um, for this film. Well, I look forward to that, Mr. Tarantino. We like Tarantino, don't we? I always have, yeah. 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 I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know some people didn't, but I thought it was great. Yeah, I think I did. Um, but yeah. I just really love Kill Bill. Mm. Both of them. I do. And Pulp Fiction. Oh, Pulp Fiction's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, well, what a time we've had. <laughs> now it's time to cast our minds into the future and get excited for what's coming up in the world of film and TV. It's time now for Trailer Trash or Treasure. What have we got this time? We have got a film called Monkey Man, and the trailer pretty much came from nowhere. I don't, this is, you know, when we do our preview of 2020, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, whilst this is a preview of the films we know, I have there'll be loads more that come out that we haven't even heard about. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this one's only out in April, and I haven't oh, heard of it. I only just heard of it. But it's Dev Patel starring and Dev Patel directional debut. But let's go watch oh. it now. Um, and... We'll be back right after the sparkles. The link will be in the show notes as That's well. It. Yeah. Yeah. Well, doesn't that look exciting? It does, but I was going to maybe give it a trash. Really? There's one reason, but it, I'm not going to. But if I did, it's because it's too long. I feel like I've seen way too much of the film. Oh, right. I okay. don't feel like a trailer should be over three minutes long. Okay, yeah, I mean, fair enough. But it's giving me, and not to be kind of comparing things to things, but it's giving me, like, Indian John Wick vibes. 
Yeah, don't think that's an unfair um, analysis. Summary. In fact, I'm just reading on Wikipedia when it was pitched, it was described as a John Wick in Mumbai. There we go. So, um, um, yes. Jonathan Peel and Dev Patel both involved. Jordan Peel. Jonathan, where did I say that from? Um, maybe you were Peel. thinking of John Wick. Maybe. Jonathan. Must have been. Um, but yes, um, having... Jordan Peele's production company be behind it is, I would say, a sign of quality. I would yes. like to think. I think um, it looks really good. Like action packed, fun filled. Looks like there's moments of comic relief in there. Yeah. yeah. And Dev Patel's rocking it with his directional debut screenplay. He wrote the screenplay and he stars in it. So, nice. Um, he's obviously a talent to look for. But yeah, I would very much give that a. Treasure. treasure. Yes. Treasure, treasure. Lovely. Anything else to say on that one? No. Wow. Out in April. Well, oh, it's yeah. the US day. I don't know oh, if we'll it? get a similar... I'm sure we'll get a similar day. I hope yeah, we get a similar in, one. I don't want to wait too long for it. No. Well, now for this week's headline feature. It's all of us strangers coming up after this quick break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Right then, let's discuss this, as I called, emotionally bruising film. Very, yes. All of us strangers. Yes. Um, Would you like to give us a synopsis before we dive in? Yeah, I found it quite difficult to do this synopsis. Yeah, didn't we look at IMDb's to give a bit of Mm. inspo, to not give too much away in a synopsis, but yeah, go for it. Yeah. Adam lives in an almost empty block of flats in London. One night, a chance encounter with Harry, the building's only other tenant, breathes new energy into his daily life. As he begins to write about his parents, who died when he was twelve, he journeys through what could have been. He journeys through what could have been as he confronts his grief. Good. Yeah. So my initial thoughts on this film is it's actually affected me in quite a deep way. I keep thinking about it. And I am still yeah. thinking about it all the time. I think and I need it's to been watch nearly, it again. It's been nearly a week mm. since we we went to the cinema to see it. Yeah. And I don't think I've had a film that I've thought about so much in quite a long time. It's like the polar opposite to those films where we go, yeah, it was all right, but I've not thought about it since. Like, literal polar yeah. opposite. It yeah. couldn't be any any different to to that. No, honestly, yeah. What? 
making a face. You just look like you don't know what else to say next when we're only just beginning. I know. I don't really know where to start because I want to say so much. Well, should we start with... I've got what some of my next notes is about Adam and Harry's relationship. So we've got Andrew Scott as Adam and Paul Mescal as Harry. Yeah. Um, and I do want to say that I'm not surprised that their performances are getting rave reviews, critical kind of uh, awards nominations. And it's not just because they just, especially Andrew Scott, he does so much with his face. And I do think it helps that he does have quite sad eyes anyway. But he does a lot with, he does a lot by not doing a lot. Yeah. And I felt that their relationship was so convincing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it felt really natural. Like, I love when screenplays just get conversation right. Because quite Honestly, often, yeah. the you know, in the big blockbusters, sometimes you listen to the screenplay and you're like, people don't talk like that. Yeah, I think that's the difference between kind of cinema and reality is often in the way conversations are had, but I absolutely I agree with you. I love it when you're watching something and it could quite reasonably be like a telephone conversation that you've overheard. And even like their intimate scenes, I thought were like so well crafted. And that yeah. first scene when the first kiss, yeah. And there's a bit I want to talk about the camera work on this film. Go on. It kind of pans up and down at parts of their body. Very much kind of that like sitting to on the sofa, with, yeah, to start and kinda, with, yeah. and it just kind of it doesn't always show everything, but you know everything that's happening. It's like you can see the sparks that they're feeling, yeah, and it's not gratuitous. Not that I mean, there's this big thing at the minute where people are pushing back against sex scenes and say they're not needed. There's this kind of movement that's happening, but. I do think they're an important part of the story. And we don't exactly see... We don't see a lot of stuff. We know what's going on without seeing it happen. We do see Harry lick bodily fluids off Adam. We do. Which was incredibly intimate. Mm, almost erotic, Very erotic. Um, and, yeah, but I just think... And a lot of people have said, like, how... You know, Andrew Scott's obviously openly gay man, but how do we feel about Paul Mescal playing a character like this? And I think I would say, in this instance, I don't mind. Yeah, what? I think I've landed on a conclusion as far as this who to cast in gay roles conversation goes. That, since I found it, has yet to be swayed. I'll put it like that, because, you know, I'm open to be convinced otherwise. But I think when a story is about queer characters mm. and really shaped by their queerness. To me, cast whoever you cast for it. What I think is more important is if a character happens to be gay, kind of adjacent to the story, of to the point of the film, that's when it's important that you're casting queer roles, queer actors in queer roles. Because otherwise, it's just like tokenism. Yeah, I get that. I think my view on it is if a gay character is the comedic, their campness and their over-the-topness is played as part of the 
joke. Not necessarily laughing at, but laughing with now in a modern day. I think yeah. it used to be kind of laughing at, but now yeah. it's not. I think that should be a, a gay actor. Yeah. But I think in roles if like this... If it's caricatured. This, yeah. If, in roles like this, I don't think it matters. And I also think it also depends on the actor because I think Paul Mescal is very much an ally from everything mm-hmm. I see in interviews. Yeah. And he's also... I think he also appreciates, very much appreciates the character he's been given. Yeah. Um, and he does, I think he takes on board the responsibility he's got by playing a gay character like this. Uh, yeah, so I think I, I think also I'd think agree. it depends on, on the actor. Yes. I thought there was quite an interesting bit quite early on in the film. So there's a scene where Adam is... I think it's the first time he gets the train... The first time that we see that he gets the train to go to his parents' old house. Oh, my God. I've written a note about this one as well. And he's in a park. And it's almost ambiguous. It's almost like it subverts expectation as well. He could be cruising. It looks like he is. Yes. And it's very much... That is something that I think... I was thinking about this when I was writing kind of what I wanted to say about this film. Like, how important is it that they're gay would it be as effective a film with anyone else and i think because of um uh what's the word i don't know what the word is because of scenes like that where you're kind of watching it before you really know what's going on and could he could be not cruising it is very kind of adds a layer of gay relevance it does and i also think as i say you expect it's like oh we've seen this before and i also think that scene in the context of then the wider film once you've seen it all is like actually he's probably not cruising because he's not very comfortable with who he is um and he doesn't from what the dialogue that he says he, he he pretty much says he's not really been with many people and he seems to be Oh, I don't think I got that he wasn't very comfortable with who he is. Oh, he said it quite a few times. Did he? Yeah. I think a lot of the trauma he goes through in this film is not just the death of his parents, but also kind of gay trauma. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, I I hear all of that, but I don't think I felt it as him saying I'm not comfortable being who I am. Well, all I'm saying is I thought it was quite clever that that's the first... Like, it does subvert yeah. expectations, and it's actually the first time we meet Adam's dad, yes. played by Jamie Bell. Yes. So, yeah, I thought, oh, he's off cruising, but no, this is his first kind of introduction to his dad. Yeah, and I think as an introduction to what we learn to be his memories of his um, late parents, I think it was really clever to frame it like it could be cruising yeah really clever excellent choice and a really great kind of welcome into what becomes super emotional and really kind of confronting as as we will learn and that's what i think i I, I, what else i've written is i feel like andrew higg it feels like it's a very personal film of his Mm. and i think he can write the gay experience incredibly well and not yeah. just from a stereotypical point. Yeah. But like, this is what a lot of gay people's lives are like. Yeah. It's like, I mean, he did look in as well, which was incredibly like that, but that was obviously set in San Francisco. So it was quite different, but yes. um, I do think it was, 
that jumping ahead a little bit and talking because obviously a lot of the a lot of the themes in this film is about loneliness. Yeah, I've got a few things to say about loneliness. Do you think, obviously, as the film develops, we're seeing visions inside Adam's head. Yeah. Do you think the block of flats was actually empty, or do you think he just felt empty? See, I think that. Um... Yeah, I think the second one. Well, you think, I think it just felt empty to him? Yeah, I think the the whole kind of setting and the way the story is told really captures the kind of essence of urban loneliness these days, particularly with people who aren't particularly old or particularly young, just kind of floating around, getting through life, bumbling through. Um, and I think that's really interesting because of there's the block of flats where... As far as we're concerned, there are two residents in it. I mean, zoom out a tiny bit. It is. I find it very hard to believe that in London, oh, we were all saying this as on nice the as that. I was like, they wouldn't be empty. <laughs> they're empty. <laughs> like, so to me, that's like it's very clear that rather than it being literally empty, it's, it's that we all live in such close proximity, but nobody knows anybody. But I do also think when he says about that line about how he did have gay friends, but a lot, or, or friends, but a lot of them have moved out the city to have that kind of stereotypical heteronormative life. Well, to um, just do and, the things that life demands of them. And yeah. like he's left, he feels like he's left on his own. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that, what I mean is like a lot of the dialogue where, where I've got, he wasn't comfortable with who he is is he talks a lot about, like, straight friends and how they've moved out of London. Yeah. There's no reason why he couldn't have a gay family around him, but I think he can't cope with that. Well, I also just sort of think, like, his job role is quite important here as well because he's a screenwriter and he works from home. So he never has to even go to work, so he probably doesn't bump into people very often to meet who could become his kind of queer family i think these different you know perspectives I mean? like, that we've both there are got, layers of yeah it. i think these different perspectives that we've both got very much show that you take very much your own queer experience into this film and you yeah. get out you see almost what you want to see from it yeah because it does feel inc- incredibly relevant even if you've not lost your parents young or whatever well but, i think that the kind of the loss of parents in this one Yes, obviously, anyone who's gone through the loss of a parent will really be able to relate to um, Adam in this film. But also, it's almost allegorical for kind of... Fucking hell. I know, thank you. For, um, like, breakdowns of family relationships, which is such a common occurrence among queer people. Yeah. Where, you know, even if it's not um, kind of outright um abuse or being kicked out or anything if your parents don't get you or know you then as you grow up you tend to drift away a bit and that's um that line that his his dad says that i think really choked me up towards the end is like he feels like he knows the real him now yeah and i was like yeah yeah i Um, thought that was a really nice kind of um reflection that we were seeing adam kind of as he came out to both his parents, obviously they're as young as he remembers them at the time that they died. And he's now an adult in, I'm assuming in his early 
thirties, late thirties. If 30s. he's the same age if he is in real life, then forties, I think. Yeah. Um, and thought how he came out to his mum, and she really wasn't sure how to react. And they had to have that kind of conversation about how things have changed since she was last around, um, and all of that. that yeah, felt... I thought that's something I wrote. I thought that was a really interesting use of the characters to kind yeah. of take, have that eighties era experience, and then him explaining to him what the modern day views yeah. are on yeah. gay people and stuff. But I also thought it was super interesting to see the mother struggling more with their child's sexuality than the father. Because quite often we presume that, like, a lot of what we see in films is it's always the dad that's going to struggle more than... And especially probably we see that more maybe in kind of working class kind of drama films. Often, yeah. But what I thought was quite interesting about this is mums do struggle as well. And this, I'm probably going to get a little bit personal on this. It reminded me a little bit of my own parents' um, reaction to my coming I out. I thought it might do. Yeah, because my dad was fine and my mum was fine in a way, but she had a very maternal reaction in the sense that she won- She was worried about the way the world would treat me. Yeah. And I think that did manifest in kind of what would have been perceived as like a homo- slightly homophobic kind of... A little bit like Claire Foy's character, like yeah. saying the thing. Oh, what, a bit what? kind of discomfort yeah. and saying a few of the wrong things and just trying to get your head around it, I think. Mostly just because she wants you to be happy. Yeah. And she has been told that the lifestyle, in air quotes, will yeah. not give him the happiness that she believes that he deserves. Yeah. But I do just think it was interesting to see a mum struggle more than, than a dad. Yeah. And what I really liked about that conversation with his dad, he was like, oh, I assume mum's told you. And he, and he was like, oh, yeah. That's exactly yeah. how mine went as well. Yeah. That's what it really reminded me of. Um, I went and for I a run and I got back and mum had told my dad. So. What was? I think it was really important that his dad was kind of pretty unfazed by it. Like, he made a couple of jokes, like, comments about how he's crap at throwing a ball and stuff like that, which are kind of light moments in that conversation to me. Um, But they almost had that banter about that between them. Yeah. It was more... He was more disappointed in his dad that his dad didn't help him with the bullying and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And his dad was like, well, I'd have probably bullied you. Like... Yeah. But it's not... It very much examines, you know, the, the roles that when we're trapped in what society tells you you need to be and what, yeah. how it, you need to act. But really, when you think about it, it's all a bit silly. But And also, when his dad was like, I didn't know what to do about it because had I been your age at school, I'd have been one of the ones picking on you. Mm. I think that kind of almost, I suppose he gave himself permission then to be like, actually, I should have done something different because just because those are how it was when I was at school doesn't mean it needs to still be like that when you're at school. And even though I've got this in my past, actually, maybe it's a chance for um, reconciliation that was that was missed when Adam was young. Yes. Yes. What I really like, moving slightly forward in the story, after all of these conversations have happened, the next time we see them, they're decorating the Christmas tree. Oh, I found those Christmas 
Christmas scenes incredibly moving. Really moving. Yeah. And what I liked about it was that the Pet Shop Boys, Always On My Mind, came on the radio. Oh, yeah. And his mum was singing. And as the lyrics were coming through, they were obviously chosen for a reason. Yeah. Um, and it was like, as his mum was reassuring him that she's had to think about it and she is sorry about the way she reacted and she loves him and all of that. And I think I, a lot oh, of the songs really that were used, that bit. I think a lot of the songs that were used in this film were used at really good points. Yeah. And right really, at the really end of this, I'll get to the, the song that's at the end in the yeah. final um, few seconds. But I do think, yeah, I think the music is chosen very well. And I dread to think if they hadn't got clearance for some of these songs, how Andrew Haig would have had to go back to the drawing board on some of the oh, scenes and storytelling. But there's a, there's a line in this that really sat with me and I'm not going to quote it word for word, but there's a scene where um, Adam and Harry are laid and, and, um, in bed together just chatting. And Adam says something like, it doesn't take much to get back to that spot. As in, it doesn't take much to get back to that feeling you had as a cat, as a child, as, as like that closeted... Like regressing on it. Yeah, and it's like... I think what it's trying to say, and I think I probably felt it, and, and again, this is why I feel like this film is so relatable, is because my life now is surrounded by mostly queer people who I love, and sometimes when I go into quite heteronormative places, mm. it shocks me because I'm just surrounded by people that are so like me. Yeah. But it doesn't take much for you to experience a, a comment again or something that takes you right back to that closeted, horrible feeling Yeah, that you had when you were a teenager. And just to go ever so slightly off track, but not entirely unrelated, isn't it so mad? Or oh, I don't know if you've, if you even feel this. Like, I feel well, tell like us about your experience, because I've lo- spoke about mine. The longest, I, I go the longest time without really experiencing any homophobia. Mm. And then... It feels like the day that I've totally forgotten homophobia even exists is the day that I get like a comment or a funny look or... Yeah. You know what I mean? It's really strange. It taught... I think a lot of it is as well because we, as I said, we are, me and you are so surrounded by gay people. Yeah. And and allies that just get us and love us for who we are. So when we're out of that kind of comfort zone... Yeah. It tell you what really takes us back to that feeling instantly. Yeah, I moved to Leeds in 2021, mm-hmm. and Pride Month Met me. that year <laughs> were it was it was June every year. Mm-hmm. Pride Month that June, I got homophobic comments on the first of June, and I got homophobic comments on the 30th of June, and both of them were with you actually. Don't you write them down? I used to tweet every time it happened, but I've given up on Twitter. Mm, yeah, it was crap. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit before we kind of get to his parents and all that supernatural stuff? I also just want to say, one circling back to that camera work, um, the way it pans down and it uses the frame to not show everything, and that was really poignant. Jumping ahead a little bit, but in the diner scene when he was saying bye to his parents, how mm. the waitress puts down the cups and it's like you're almost seeing what his mum or dad would be seeing in the lens, which I thought was, like, so cool. Yeah. Um, and I also want to say, from a cinematography point of view and what this film looked like, it was beautiful. And it really oh, helped stunning. to that kind of... 
and this is probably a good segue into those kind of supernatural elements with him seeing his parents, but the blues, the purple, the oranges, it kind of give it a real kind of, I want to say, ethereal feel. Yeah, good word. There was um, also a little bit of a almost vintagey feel, yes. like filter on, yeah. on a lot of the shots as well, which took you into, I think, Har- uh, Adam's memories quite nicely i think it's the kind of film that you can only really get this when the 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 director has also written it because it's totally their vision like yeah you can see every thought has been you know we touched on the music we touched on the colors the themes the the way the camera moves like it feels like every single little decision has been totally just thought out oh yeah i just think it's Totally beautiful yeah. in every way. And so moving on to kind of that those supernatural elements with his parents, like it's almost like they're a bit like ghost figures in his life. Um I knew the moment he took that ketamine it was all gonna go wrong. Yeah. When he said he'd not done it before. Yeah. And the the way his mental where his mental place is currently yeah. Yeah. and the way he's been seeking experiencing these visions and experience I just was like this is not going to end well and well, obviously it doesn't I do agree I know like I knew that you know we could tell where a night on drugs was gonna go I'm not sure that we've been experiencing visions he has I don't know if he has I feel like what we're seeing is his memories but they're and not like, his memories the, and because the conversation... he's speaking to them in real time. Yeah, but I still I have conversations with my parents in my head all the time. They wouldn't know. <laughs> is that and not I, a vision though? Well, I the in way I interpreted it is I don't know if that's a vision. I've never called it a vision. I just right. have a conversation. Okay. Yeah. The way I interpret it is that he's he's a screenwriter and he wants to get something written and he's basing it off of his childhood. So mm-hmm. he starts kind of we see him type out the setting, the type of house he was living in, and 1987 or whatever year it was. Um, oh, so you think it's through, like his images whilst I always he's just writing? Think this is what he's seeing as he's writing, as he's remembering to try and get something onto paper. Like, this is, these are the things that he's thinking about that as he writes will become words rather than well, I think that's so interesting anyway that like I wouldn't say I was far off that interpretation but I think we I think a, mer- a credit to this film is that we've both come out with slightly yeah. kind of different interpretations but yeah I can totally see that and that's again from first hand experience because I... I do say I've got a screenplay in me and I do have ideas and when mm. I'm laid in bed thinking about the ideas you it's like I'm almost living like. the, living them as one of the characters so I yeah. also have a rough theory that's not quite fully founded because I think mm. I'd need to watch it a couple more times to really get it there. But I'm not sure he even ever left London. I don't think he ever got the train to his hometown. Potentially. In real life. Well, I, I think, think he was just... That is potentially more apparent when we get the final twist. Mm, I know. That's what made me think about yeah. it. Yeah. Because let's move on to that. Shall we? Obviously... The first time that Harry comes to the knocks on the door, he's got a bottle of whiskey, whiskey think, in his yeah. hand. Turns out that was the only time that Harry was alive in this film. Yeah. 
I totally did not see that final twist coming. I thought it was more about his parents than anything else. And did I have thoughts where I was like, would I have wished they lived happily ever after? Yes, I probably would have done. Especially especially when, like, his, you know, the things his mum and dad were saying in that final scene with them, like, you've got to let go of this to move on. I thought, oh, well, he's got the opportunity yeah. to move on. He's got this nice guy. Yeah, His mum and dad say they saw him and they like him and, you know, but they said, oh, but the little clue, I think, is when his mum says, but he's got sad eyes mm. or he looks sad or something. Yeah, sad um, eyes. But I was like, would I have liked them to live happily ever after? Probably yes. But I think what it does with Harry just adds to that heartbreak. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. But well, or, that... I think it's not just his experience with his mum and dad that gets him to where he he can let go of it all. It's also this manifestation of a relationship with Harry. That so it's his mum and dad, him seeing himself potentially with somebody in a happy way. I think that's the whole like the whole story helps him get over the the grief and the gay shame and everything that he's going through. That's my interpretation of it. Anyway, I think that losing his parents so young, he has carried with him for years and years and years a sense of guilt about their death, even though it you know it wasn't his fault. And I think the way that Harry dies, because he knocks on his door, knowing he's the only other person in the building, drunk think. as a fart, yeah. um, and... When we kind of come to learn that Harry is actually dead, he's having a conversation with Adam where he says, I was so lonely that night, all I needed was some company. And I think the reason that that kind of helps Adam work things out is that he could really easily feel a tremendous sense of guilt about Harry. I'm getting the names mixed up, am I? No. He could really easily carry a tremendous sense of guilt about that. But I think the process of kind of dealing with his grief makes him more resilient. Because Harry's death isn't actually his fault. No. Even though that company that night could prob- could possibly have saved his life. That doesn't give Adam the responsibility of Harry's death. I didn't twig for a while. I was like, when he goes into Harry's apartment and he finds a dead body... I thought it might just be somebody. I tell you where my brain went to start with before the the penny dropped. So he finds a dead body in Harry's bedroom and then a ghost or whatever of Harry is then in the living room and Mm. he chats to him. And when he said I was really lonely that night, I I thought he meant he's like almost cheated on him and it was another dead body in the... In the bedroom to start with, and then I was like, yeah. and then I twigged. But I liked how it. See, that's clever. How it could have that meaning until you know that it's not just like the cruising scene. Could yeah. be cruising until you know it's not. Yeah. Yeah. But it, all of this, I think, is handled so sensitively, and kind of circling back a little bit on that, the final scene with his mum and dad in that American diner, we find out in the film that they both died in a car crash. His dad died on the scene and his mum went to hospital and, and he wasn't even allowed to go visit later, him. Three days later. Visit his mother because his grandparents thought it would be 
too traumatic. Yeah. And that her eye had fallen out. When the, she was saying goodbye and like his dad his dad had gone and his mum was still there, kind of replicating that his dad went first. Yeah. And then his mum couldn't see. Yeah. I thought, oh God, it's not going to pan up, is it? And she then have she'll eye. have like her eye hanging out. But then I thought... I don't think it said I that just, her eye fell out. It said she lost her eye. No, it did. It didn't say it fell out. Well, whatever, whatever, right? I thought, oh, it's going to pan up and we're going to have... And then I just thought to myself, well, no, of course it's not going to do that because no. it's been such an incredibly sensitive film. That yeah. would be like gratuitous violence for absolutely no reason. It would be such need, a random tone and we don't shift need to see that we don't it. need. Yeah. Um, no, I thought that was really clever. And I think what was really interesting about that conversation they were having in the diner. His mum says, was it quick? Which it is kind of, I think the first time we learned that they don't actually remember their death. They just know that they're not there anymore and they've not been there to see him grow up. Um, and the interesting thing about that question is because he's now older than his parents were, I think he almost... He tells the lie and says, yes, it was quick for both of you and you were together. He tells that lie to kind of cushion protect them, them, protect them. Yeah. Which is a really interesting kind of shift in the dynamics. You never expect to have to have that kind of conversation with your parents, would you? It was that scene that totally broke me, though, because it wasn't just like when they kind of say, we're ready to leave you now. Yeah. That's obviously him in his head if we're talking that kind of interpretation like I've worked through it I've got through it let's say I've written it all down in a screenplay yeah. I'm through it I've, I've processed trauma or at least on the journey and they kind of leave him and then it's not just that and then like how they talk about Harry and how nice he is and how they love him and then you know there's that again there's that I feel like I finally know you and his dad says he loves him so much and mm. oh my god that was the moment I was just totally yeah. totally so so emotional and i actually found i don't i don't know about you but i found the pet parental stuff way more emotional than then what happened with harry after yeah i'm not too. saying it didn't yeah. wasn't emotional and it didn't add to that oh god he's more sadness yeah but the parent stuff really got to me and talking about sadness as well it's not i was crying and it is a sad film, but not in the, not it, in the like. It's sad, but in sad, a really kind of. Way. It's like, like a really cathartic sad. Yeah, yeah. Do you know a really interesting I feel like we all, effect? Well, everyone, as I said, takes something into the film. It's like we all take some experience in. And yeah. I feel like we almost all go on that journey of letting go of something or whatever. And I mm. think that's. That's the emotion of it, but that obviously isn't necessarily a sad thing. I think moving past that point of whatever you're trying to do, whether it's grief or trauma, or moving past that point is probably quite an incredibly liberating. empowering, liberating yeah. thing to happen. So it's like, it's almost like crying for like the nostalgic feeling rather than the feel I can't really word it I think that's just again I think just what you're trying to describe to is the fact that there are more than one reasons to cry yeah it's and not Marley and me it's not, it's not the dog's it's not dead sad like, crying yeah. and it's not happy crying no it's catharsis do you know a really but interesting... how hard is that though to portray in a film well I know 
that's why I've given it what I've given it because to portray that mm. well in a film and for it to make you feel not just how it wants you to feel, but to also to take your own experiences yeah. in it, for you to be at one with your own experiences whilst watching it, is just a fucking triumph. Like, it, you can't can't say it in any other way. A really interesting effect that this film had on me, even quite immediately, like even on the walk home from the cinema, um, it unlocked loads of childhood memories that I've totally forgotten about since my parents split up. Mm. I bet it did. Mm. Which is really quite strange Made me feel experience all to get from a film. I wanted to discuss it with everyone, but then I also just wanted to get home and just hug you. Ah, because yeah. it was like it's not really. I mean, they have a relationship. It's not really the themes of it, but I was just like, oh, I just love my boyfriend so much as well. Like, there was just so much going on, and I walked out the cinema, and I think this may might have affected me more than some of the friends that we went to see it with. No shade to you guys, but get some feelings um but yeah. <laughs> like i couldn't really talk for a few minutes coming out just needed to reflect which i think is a good segue into the final scene the final scene for me is possibly the best closing shot or or it's definitely up there with the best closing shots in cinema maybe ever well, it definitely for me, like, I can't, I'm not very good at, and I'm surprised you've said it, I'm not very good at saying evers or favourites. No. But if I'm, think, if I'm thinking of recent memory, yeah. from what I can remember, I can't remember a final shot and a final couple of minutes because basically we see Adam embracing Harry. Yeah. ghost or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. This embracing is his, on this the is bed. This is goodbye with Harry, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They the camera pans out and they end up becoming a star. A star with the power with the pet with Frankie goes to Hollywood's the power the power of, of love. love playing and that song like it wasn't just their love it was like look at what love. Mm-hmm can do to us look at what love can manifest itself as and i was like what a fucking clever song but also the way it just takes its time and pans right out and i've watched you it for in a the minute. cinema Hang as on, well one sec, someone sec, let me just get this out yeah. while i remember like just leaves you with what you've just gone through just leaves you for a couple of minutes to just pull your way out slowly out of the film and the freaking emotional barrage barrage no the barrage of yeah the barrage of of emotions emotions I've just gone through and I think it was great and I think to pan out and to have seen it in a cinema as well so we were in a dark room with and all we could see was the stars it was a very kind of grounding experience after all of that emotion we've just we've just witnessed um, and felt it was an absolutely necessary closing shot so that you had that few moments to yourself to just sit there, let it all wash over you before you need to stand up. I mean, it wasn't enough home. for some people in our screen because there were some people who we had to walk past who could hardly move. I know. That I don't think they were going to go they for were, a good few minutes after us. They were overcome, us. weren't they? Um, and again, they were slightly older than us, so mm. a lot more of this film might have been even more applicable to what their lived experience Perhaps. was. Um 
and overall just like fucking amazing. Yeah. And I know I say this towards the end of every year, but I was right last year. I said, oh, I think Tar will be in the in my top ten, and it was. I would be very, very shocked if this wasn't in my top ten of the year. Mm. I would also be very, very shocked if it's not in mine. Have you got any more notes? No. What did you give it star rating? Well, see, the thing is, I think I've talked myself up already. I gave it four and a half, and my reason was that although I shed a few tears, it didn't make me weep like I sort of hoped it would. Do you not think that was potential expectation of what other people had said? Having reflected on it, I think that absolutely is what it was. Somebody told me that it would break me, and it didn't really break me. It more... I don't think people necessarily have words to describe. No, exactly. Because it did, like... So I am going to go back on Letterboxd and re-rate it as five because there's absolutely no way it could be anything else. Because if you took a picture of me when I came out, you'd be like, oh, Declan's broken. But not in, like, the way that somebody... It's not how I thought I would have felt. No. Necessarily. I think it was good that I didn't really know anything about it other than it's gay, it's got Andrew... Scott and it's got Paul Mescal in it and aside from that I was totally oh well yeah totally blind going in um and it took me on journeys I did not expect to go on cool and I gave it five obviously shock well now let's unsheath the gaydar it's a wonderful piece of machinery devised by Ned's own hand, and we use it to rank all of the films and TV we discuss based on their LGBTQ plus appeal. Let's see where the gaydar ranks all of us strangers. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, we're obviously quite high on the tables. Obviously. Uh, in fact, fifth of all time. As long as the gaydar is gone, we are above passages and below adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. So, can you just list out to me the films above? Shall I give you the top five? Go from five to one. Five, all of us strangers. Four, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, not the Elvis. Yeah. Uh, Three bottoms, two sex education season four, and one heart stopper. So, I know I obviously use the Gaydar's rating as a, we use it as a bit of a way in to discuss the LGBTQ plus appeal. Mm. I'm going to totally disagree with the Gaydar in this respect. (laughs) All the ones you've just listed there, Mm. I would go on top of them all. On top of them all. Yeah. Well, I'll and tell I know you we've said Heartstopper. Yeah. And I know we've said um, sex education are always dead high because it, it doesn't just show one perspective. It's got many different it's queer LGBTQ ex- yeah, plus the appeal, full rainbow mafia. Not just the G. Yeah. The reason I would like to argue for it to go even higher is that sense of I've never seen a film or TV show truly personify the gay experience for a lot of people. Mm, Yeah, 
So while sex education might have loads of different people from loads of different parts of the spectrum, yeah? Yeah, I get what you're saying. None of it, none of them, none of them goes as deep and as visceral, like, for me to have a visceral reaction to yeah. any of them. Like, I've got such problems with Heartstopper. Well, not such problems, but I say nobody lives like this. Loads of people live like this. Yeah. So that's my that's right. my view. Okay. So I don't know if you want to move it up because I've, I've disputed shifted it, it a little bit, but I'm not moving it right to the top. Okay. Because I don't think it's fair for the G experience to overshadow. No, but I'm trying to say it just happens that this one is about the G. Yeah. If it had been a film about the L or the B. Well, it's been I ages since. No, I know, but I, fact, can't, I can't really relate with the passages T. Passages was, was B. Yeah, but like, if it, it could be a film about any section of the Fine. of the queer community and it, it would be a similar thing. Well, I, no, it wouldn't because their experiences are different. Exactly. But for me... It's way higher than all of them. Well, it's now at three. I've put it above Priscilla and Bottoms. Well, I look forward to disputing that as more and more films come onto the board, even yes. further. Yes. Is that everything then? I, I feel a bit... Even just talking about this film again, I feel a bit like it's bringing things back to my can, initial uh, reaction. I've yeah. seen it in your face, yeah. Yeah, I feel heavy, but not in like a... I'm not being very good with me. Well, actually, I think I've been all right with my words, but yeah, I don't know who I'm talking, I'm talking to myself. But anyway, that's all for this time. <laughs> if you have enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate, and comment on your podcasting platform of choice. Don't forget to follow... <laughs> Take two. Because you're don't speaking so fast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, at Gaze on Film Pod, and check out our letterboxed accounts, links of for which are in the show notes. We'd love to hear your thoughts, so please feel... Please do feel free to drop us a message. I have been Declan. And I've been Ned. And this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks for listening. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.